whilst this week's sport is all one on Salford City Radio, I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got James Sweetham. James, talking all things sport in Salford, looking forward to it. I most certainly am, Rob. There's been a lot going on in the world of sport. Manchester United are back in form, and I can't wait to break down everything over the next hour. Yep, yeah, and let's talk rugby league. We've got Paul Whiteside from the Devil in the Detail. Looking forward to talking all things Salford Devils and beyond, Paul. Yeah, certainly, Rob. Yeah, it's been a, it's been another good week, hasn't it? Four wins in five matches for Salford. So, uh, so yeah, can we start dreaming of glory yet? Well, uh, you know, whisper it quietly. We, we, we're doing okay, aren't we? So, yeah, another exciting win in, in, in France as well. So, uh, so, yeah, looking forward to chatting all about it. Yeah, so let's start with Salford, Paul. They were victorious in Toulouse. They won 24 points to 11. A tricky away trip uh, to lose our bottom of the league. They're fighting for the lives. So to get there and get a result, it's a big thing for Paul Rowley's men. Well, the second bottom, aren't they? Wakefield were bottom, but uh, but to lose, yeah, down there with Wakefield, just above them on points difference. But they've had a tremendous little run of form, haven't they? And got some results. They had a good win at the Magic Weekend against Wakefield. They beat Hulk KR and Leeds over in Toulouse, emphatically as well, the pair of them. So going over there was going to be a, it's going to be tough in the, in the weather and especially after the, the, the game we had against Catalan, that probably took a lot out of us last week in the heat. So to go over there and, you know, we were losing, weren't we, early doors. I think it's um, 9-6 at half-time and then in the second half we, we've come back and, and, and scored some cracking tries from what I've seen on the, on the internet. You know, two for Ken Co, two for Joe Burgess. Great flick out pass from Tim Lafayette for one of the Burgess tries. So, uh, so yeah, a great win, I thought, really. A professional job. I believe the defence was really good again. You know, fantastic defence and, 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 and a great result to get over there to give us 18 points and, you know, to put us in the top six now. We've gone above the likes of Hull, Hull KR, Leeds, Warrington. There's some big teams below us who probably spend an awful lot more money than what we do. Um, so, yeah, nine victories already in the season. I mean, it, it's great. I mean, at the start of the season, we'd, we'd have probably took that, wouldn't we? So, um, you know, I don't think anyone expected us to be in around the playoffs, really. So, uh, so yeah, another great win. And, 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 and how far can we go? I mean, we're coming towards the back end of the season now, but... You know, it's difficult with a squad size. We've got to picked up a few more injuries, but you know, can this fairy tale season keep going? We'll have to wait and see. But definitely a great result in France. Yeah, two tries from Ken Seal, two tries from Joel Burgess. It's a gift for Paul Rowley. They've got two wingmen who have pace and know where the line is. Two of the best wingers in the league, Rob, and I think two of the best finishers as well. I mean, if Ken Seal and Joel Burgess came on the market. I think most Super League sides are being there, you know, trying to trying to poach them. So, um, so yeah, we've got two excellent wings as well. So we've got Reese Williams, who's, who's a great, great backup player to have in the squad as well. I mean, that's not doing Reese a disservice. I mean, every time he's played, he's he's pretty solid as well. So, but I think with with Ken and, and, and Joe, you only got to look at Ken Kenny Seal's try record for Salford, his try record at Hull KR, try record at Newcastle Knights and the NRL. He's he's got a tremendous try ratio. And, and Joe Burgess has as well. His, his record at Wigan was great. And when he went over to Australia, he's, all right, he was hampered with injuries. But when he did play, he scored tries. So he knows where the trial line is. I think you've got a couple of good centres at Salford as well. And Dion Cross and Tim Lafayette at the moment, who are both banging form. So the, the back line has been great. You know, Ryan Briley, Bowdy Croft, Mark Sneed, they've they're all been doing the job. And yeah, we've been low in the pack. But the guys who played in the pack have, have done us proud, haven't they? 
They have, Paul, and, and, and Salford Devils are now sixth in the league in a playoff spot, best of the rest, which, which is which is you know a really good achievement for Salford Devils. Paul Rowley's squad decimated by injury and suspensions uh, through the season. They find themselves in the playoff spot, and we were there in 2019 uh, with a misfit season uh, where the Sky commentator, I think it was Phil Clark, wrote Sulphur's chances off and then Sulphur went on an incredible run. This season, John Wilkin has uh, talked about Sulphur's minerals and, and can they compete week in, week out and win games and reach the playoffs. It smells a lot like 2009, this, 2019, this, sorry. Yeah, well, we spoke about John Wilkin in the podcast, didn't we? And I didn't really get where he was coming from because he was sort of bumming teams up, saying how great they were. And there were teams that we'd already beat a couple of times this season. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand what he said. I believe he backtracked a bit at weekend, didn't he? So, uh, so yeah, I mean, if you look back to 2019, I think we was pretty fortunate that season. We had a pretty settled tight side. We didn't seem to get a lot of injuries, did we? We had Jackson Hastings pulling the strings. He played nearly every game for us, if not every game. So it's a bit diff- different this time. I mean, our squad in 2019 wasn't wasn't big either. It was fairly small, probably the smallest squad in the league as we've got this time. So, so yeah, I mean, we picked up a few injuries for the weekend coming. Now, I believe Ryan Briley failed his HIA, so he'll miss the, the Saints game, and uh, I believe Danny Addy got a bit of a knock as well. So, but we've got uh, said Telakarakawala coming back from suspension and Sam Luckley, so you've got two forwards there to boost the pack, uh, and you've got eight days break until the St. Helens game as well. So, uh, so yeah, and, and that should be a big homecoming at the weekend against St. Helens. You know, the, the champions you know, coming down to the AJ Bell Stadium. It's going to be a nice sunny Sunday afternoon. Salford have won four games out of five. So you'd expect there to be a big crowd and thrilling atmosphere. And if you could turn St. Helens over, that'd, uh, that'd really be something because they weren't, by, by all uh, accounts, great at the weekend against Wakefield. Pretty fortunate to get a result there. So uh, so that's a game we've got a target now. But at the moment, things are looking good. It's just Paul Rowe's just got to keep managing that squad and you know keeping the lads as, as healthy and as fit as they can. And I think we've said it before, the squad more or less picks itself, doesn't it? You know, due to injuries and things like that. And business end of the season now, we've just got to keep taking each game as it comes. That's the thing. It's about knocking them games off because the Minerals comment is all about endurance can you win back to back to back to back and this Salford side now won two on the spin they reach uh, the AJ Bell on Sunday they'll face set Ellen's the champions that will be the biggest test obviously we talk about injuries and we talk about the squad being weakened but does that really does that really matter if, if you want to become a champion you want to reach a, a playoff sort of final or a semi-final you've got a win under pressure so it's another game and another test for Paul Rowley's men yeah of course and I think this season we've been pretty good at home if you look at our own record I think we've lost three at home is it two or three at home mm. uh, or we, we've, we've won two two I think we've won three away from home now sorry so um, yeah, our home record's been pretty good. We've been, we've been decent at home, and I think you know they'll, they'll fancy beating anybody at home. We have got a tricky run coming up. If you look after the St. Helens game, we've got Leeds away from home. They seem to be hitting a bit of form now. Not that I'd be worried about going there. Then I think we've got Catalan, uh, Huddersfield, and Catalans after that. So uh, we have still got some tricky games to, to play. So there's no doubt about that. So um, you know, but we've still got some some home games left, where which will be a very winnable. So yeah, we've got 18 points at the moment, but you won't put it past us getting up to 24, for maybe more points. So um, so yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns yet in the Super League, and we don't know how things are going to go. We don't know how, if we're going to get any more injuries and what have you. But like we both said, it's just targeting this next game now. Then worry about the the Leeds game once we've got through St. Helens. 
yet. Salford's potential new owner, Sebastian Gerrard, has been on um, BBC Radio Manchester talking about his plans for the club and, and for the AJ Bell Stadium. Um, what do you make of all this, Paul? Obviously, he, he is interested in purchasing the AJ Bell and he wants Salford Red Devils to be part of it. Uh, what do you make of all this? Yeah, it's all up in the air at the moment. I mean, there's, there's a little bit inside me that keeps thinking, is, is it already a done deal? As I say, daily have already been sold and have we missed the boat? I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, regarding Sebastian Gerrard, does he want to buy the stadium or does he want to buy Salford as well? Um, it's all right buying the stadium, but do you want to invest in the, in the club as well? Because that's what the club needs. It needs investment, doesn't it? We need somebody to not bankroll us. Well, we do, but we just need some some sort of investment so we can compete at the high, highest level. So it's difficult at the moment to compete. So I don't know what Sebastian's agenda is there. Whether he just wants to buy the stadium and, and let us play there, or would would he invest in the in the squad? You'd have to ask him that. So. So, yeah, it's positive news, um, you know, that we've got somebody interested, a, a local businessman. But I suppose we've just got to watch this space now and see how it develops because he's been in talks with the club for a while, hasn't he? And, you know, it sounds like things are, are, are going in the right direction. But, you know, we'd have to uh, we'd have to just wait and see what happens. So I'm still pretty cautious because these things take time, don't they? And there's always a lot of uh, complication and, and things that need to, uh, to be sorted out. Yeah going to be very interesting uh, to, to see what happens uh, with with him. Uh, Salford Devils ladies were in action this um, on Sunday afternoon. They won 54 points to nil away at Dewsbury Moor. They play Oral St. James in the League Cup final uh, next Sunday, Paul, at Oral. It's going to be an interesting contest over the top of the league. Uh, they're in the final of the Cup. I mean, Chris Bates ladies are on fire at the moment. Well, yeah, this weekend was perfect preparation for that. Uh, final wasn't it really and I think you, you're probably excusing for taking the eye off the ball a bit this week with their eyes on the final but they've not done that they've uh, they've won comprehensively nailed their opposition as well and you know just keep blasting teams every team in front of them really if you look at the form recently it's been fantastic defence I think has been really impressive I mean they scored lots and lots of points but I think Chris Bates will be looking at his defence as well it's, it's a mean and, and tough defence and if you can get that right you're going to win more games than you lose so it's a massive week now for them going forward you know to play in Oral in, in a cup final on Sunday so uh, yeah wish them all the best this week no no injuries this week a nice week of preparation and uh, they probably won't be flogging the, the ladies this week I think they'll be working on things and fine tuning things for what, for what is their big game so far in, in a cup final at the weekend to come. Yeah, Sadie Rahiri um, was a debutant for the ladies uh, this weekend. She scored three tries on her debut. Uh, Paul, that's uh, you know, it's fantasy uh, stuff. That fairy tale uh, start to us over a Devils career. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is, and we need to uh, to keep that a secret. Really, we don't want other teams coming sniffing around, do we? So uh, let's keep it on the lowdown, really. But no, you can't ask for more than that, can you? On your debut, when you first come and sign for a club. So uh, yeah, she sounds like a real good signing, and you know somebody that else that's going to uh, you know have a real positive impact on the the ladies. Can she play in the? This is a question for me. Can she play in the cup final, or is she cup tied, or is she all right to play? She is okay to play, Paul. I asked that question as well. Um, she's come from Huddersfield Giants, who are a Super League side. She won the player of the year, player of the match in the playoff uh, final game of last year's contest between uh, Featherstone Rovers and Huddersfield Giants. She is a, a a baller. It has to be said, Paul. So yeah, she is she is fit. She is available for Chris Bates to select so we're hoping obviously after a fantastic debut 
uh, this week um, that Oral weren't watching and they're not going to mark her out the game because she is dynamite. I don't think you can mark somebody out of the game in rugby league, mate. It's not like football, is it? I think uh, they'll they'll be looking at their own team, won't they? So, uh, so yeah, it, it bodes well for the weekend, doesn't it? You know, the, the ladies are on such a good run at the moment and you can get that defence right again. I'm pretty sure they've got the firepower to uh, to score points against Oral and uh, I, I think the, the name's on that cup. I think there's there's no doubt. I think the uh, the cup's coming back to Solvent. Joined by uh, our England ladies international, Serena Tamau and the cup final next week. Enjoy. So we're joined by Serena Tamau from the Solvent Devils ladies. Obviously, final week, you're not available. No. Oh, how does that feel? I'm gutted, to be honest, but obviously it's the rules, isn't it? Because I'm cup-tied, because I played for... Warrington Lunas in the obviously previous round so I am gutted but I know that the girls will be able to, to pull through and I can't wait to, to support them. Making sure that I'm there supporting the girls obviously taking the water run and stuff like that that'll, that'll be enough for me. Obviously it's hard just standing there watching there's nothing else you can do really other than that but I'm sure that the girls will smash it but yeah I've obviously been in a few cup finals in like over the 10 years that I've played but the advice I'd probably just give to the girls is just making sure that they're all calm and uh, making sure that they enjoy it, like that's number one for me. Like if you're not enjoying it, then like what's the point? I, f- I feel like they're gonna smash it. Obviously, Oral are an un- unknown team. I know that there are some uh, girls that have dual edge with Wigan and stuff like that, but it doesn't matter. It's the same girls, same number on the the field, uh, they go down the same. So it's making sure that they complete what they do in training. Yeah, and I think they'll smash it, to be honest. And how we are winning the majority of our games, it is massively important for us to carry on winning on the winning streak because we do potentially want promotion at the end of the season, which I think the girls deserve. And the talent we do have, we're more than capable to do so. We've just got to keep doing what we're doing in training and keep developing each week in our games and the way we are. And we will reach our goal with ease, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about Swinton Lions. They were in action on Saturday. They played Cornwall away and won 44 points to 10. Great result um, for the Lions, obviously looking to get back in that playoff mix. Yeah, well, that's right. I was listening to a, a bit of the interviews on, on Radio Manchester over the weekend. We talked to a few of the Swinton players when they were coming back on the bus. And it's a, it's a long way to go down to Cornwall. And I know they're a new team and what have you, but uh, you know, they, 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 they put in the, their side sort of gelling now, isn't it? They're getting good crowd. As well, they're getting over a thousand people down there watching them, so they're making good progress in in what is not really a rugby league uh, heartland, is it, Cornwall? But I think it's great that they've got a team down there. And yeah, long journey, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the journey time, I think about five hours to sort of Devon, and then to Cornwall, it's another two hours after that. So you look at like a seven-hour journey down there. So to go down there, part-time players as well. It's a long way to go, and uh, you know they've had to stay over, and they've, they've had a good result there. So uh, they've got a massive game coming up this week against Rochdale Lions. But the way the league's going at the moment, you can't really see anybody catching Keith Lacougars. I mean, the way they're playing, they, they could go unbeaten throughout the season and, and obviously get the automatic spot. But after that, then you've got the playoffs. Um, it's going to be very inter- interesting to see how the playoffs go with North Wales doing pretty well, Rochdale Arnett's are playing well, Swinton are playing well. So there's going to be a, it's going to be really exciting to see who, who wins that. But Swinton are just going to keep going, keep their heads down, and uh, make sure they nail that playoff spot. And then after that, I think uh, it's going to be uh, be a real lottery to see who goes up. Yeah, Andy Maisie, uh, Swinton's ex-chairman, now involved at Rochdale Hornets. You know, that'll be a good game. Obviously, it's away from home, so you're hoping there'll be a, a fair amount of Lions faithful going over the uh, over the Pennines to see that. 
Yeah, definitely. And they play in a really nice stadium, don't they, at Spotland? They're the Crown Oil Arena, I think it's called these days, but to uh, share it with the football team. But I know, Rochdale, they've been running at a, a sort of a low capacity. They've only been opening one stand for one reason or another, so I'm not sure how that works. So they were, they were talking that the, the main stand should be open next week for that. So that was a thousand or two. So they get a big crowd there. I'm sure they will. There's a lot of interest there at Rochdale at the moment. And Rochdale Hornets are doing good things. They've got a ladies team there. They've got a learning disabilities team and wheelchair team. So there's an awful lot going on there. And that part of the world's not too far from us. So Andy Mays is doing a good job there and all his staff, Matt Callum, the first team coach. So they're another good story. So yeah, that should be a a really good game next weekend, Swint against Rochdale. Big derby game, really. It's not not that far between the two uh, the two towns. So I'm looking forward to that one. Should be a great game. Yep. So that's all your rugby chat. Chat. And now we'll talk boxing with James. It most certainly is, Paul. And we live in a world right now where people get extremely vocal on social media towards professional fighters, and a lot of the time these lads haven't even put on a pair of gloves. But the, on this occasion, things spiralled over uh, the world of the internet when a troll insulted Sonny Edwards and the IBF flyweight champion invited him down to the gym for a spa. Unbelievably, the uh, internet troll actually turned up and the two uh, lads did a few rounds. Obviously, Sonny was landing seemingly at will. Uh, what do you think of this whole thing? Do you think Sonny perhaps a little bit harsh? I mean, landing a lot of brutal blows on this guy who'd never put in a pair of gloves before. But on the other side of the coin, he shouldn't be really making these comments to a world champion and, and insulting him. Very bizarre, James, to be honest with you. Very bizarre. Yeah, people these days just seem to to see that they can say what they want, can't they, on, on like a social media platform. I mean, for someone of my sort of generation, I know I'm a bit older than you, I, I'd never dream of saying that to a professional sportsman, whether I was there or, or whether I was saying it through a keyboard or what have you. But in the, on the other hand, I think it's it's bizarre that he's sort of invited him down to the gym and decided to smash him up. And bizarre that the lads decided to go down there and, and join in. It just seems a strange thing to do, doesn't it, really? But, but yeah, I think sometimes you should respect, I think all the time you should respect you know, sportsmen, especially boxing. Boxing's a, a brutal sport, very, very lonely sport. And, you know, it, it takes a lot to, to get in that ring and, and, and perform. So, um, you know, and it's a difficult sport and, you know, it's tough. You can take tough tough punishment there and, you know, your life's in your own hands, isn't it, when you get in there. So I can never understand people's sort of hatred and, you know, the way that they carry on with, with things really. But that did seem a, a strange, a strange story, let's just say the least. <laughs> Moving on to another strange story. We live in a world where we have a lot of rematches, and sometimes those rematch clauses do the world of good. On another occasions, they most certainly don't. When Devin Haney travelled to Australia to fight George Cambosos, it was a easy night, to say the least, for the American. But due to the rematch clause, we've got to do it again. Haney's got to go back. And is there anything Cambosos can do differently, or is he going to surrender himself to the fact that this is a bridge too far. Looking at that fight, it, it, you look at it and you think, what can he do differently? And you're just looking at it thinking it's going to be the same result again. Um, it does seem a pointless exercise, really. But when you've got these clauses, I suppose there's nothing you can do about it. But he's going to have to change something because if you're going to carry on and do the same thing, you're going to get the same result. But it did seem like it was a bridge too far for him that time. He was comprehensively beaten. And you can't really see a way that that, unless his opponent has an absolute nightmare the next time, 
you're going to get the same result again. Another fighter who's looking to get back into the ring after quite a long stretch of inactivity is Adrian Broner, uh, one of the most controversial figures in boxing, a man who arguably never fulfilled his potential. Is he somebody who you'd like to see back? Is he somebody you're excited to see get back in the ring? Or is he is he yesterday's news at this point? He's a bit of both. I think he is a bit of yesterday's news, really. But, you know, I've probably been a bit harsh on him. But he's always been sort of a... What's the word I'm looking for? He's always been very vocal, hasn't he? And, and one of those people that you sort of love to hate, really, don't you? Either like him or, or you, you can't stand him. Um, he's entertaining, there's no doubt about that. He can really fire his opponent up. He says some funny things, doesn't he, on social media and at press conferences and things like that. So, so yeah, he's a live wire. There's no doubt about that. But when somebody's out for such a time, you, you do sort of forget about them, don't you? And you think, oh, is he retired? And you, you go on the internet and have a look at boxing record, don't you? So you always inactive or is he, has he finished and you sort of think they have sometimes but but yeah only time will tell I suppose you know there's there's no doubt he's a very talented fighter in his day but uh, as his day drifted by we'll have to we'll have to wait and see now another fighter who's flattered to deceive over the last few years Demetrius Andrade ordered by the WBO to fight his mandatory Janabek it's not necessarily looking like that fight's going to take place Demetrius Somebody who's always missed out on those big ones, hasn't he? I know in recent times he fought Liam Williams, but matches with the Charlos and Canelo seem to have passed him by. He's on social media firing out videos to Chris Eubank Jr., but it seems like he's going to go down the Conor Ben route. It's now looking like he's even going to have to fight his mandatory, who's very dangerous and doesn't come without much of a name value. 11-0 fighter, went to the Olympics, but not a big name in the United States, or potentially vacate his title and look for an easier route maybe for a belt in the super middleweight division or something like that. But without a belt, does Demetrius Andrade bring any value? No, not really without a belt. And he's somebody that um, I have kept close tabs on over the years. And I remember the first time I saw him, I think it was Brian Rose he fought and that was for the world title. And I remember watching him and Brian was a really, really solid British European fighter at the time. And he absolutely took him apart. And, I thought this is someone really specialist, and every time I've seen him in fight, he's looked good. He's he's awkward. He's, he's fairly tall for the weight, and um, you know boxes at good range and does everything right. You know does the basics right, and he's a very very tricky customer. And he, for one reason or another, he never seems to have got those career defining sort of stadium fights, big name fights. You know, over in the states, he'd, he'd never been like. Vegas or anywhere like that where you can say oh wow what a fight he's been and I think that happens to fighters sometimes you don't get the opportunities do they so uh, so I think Andre without a, a belt yeah he's, he's probably he probably won't get the opportunity so which is a shame because I think you know for someone like Eubank Jr I think that'd be a tough fight for him that I wouldn't you know put my money put my house on on, on Eubank Jr to beat him so uh, or, or Ben to beat him or ever in this country, so, um, so we'll have to see how that one goes. But yeah, talented fighter, but yeah, it's not always got the opportunities, sadly. Another matchup between the two sides of the pond, uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Lee Ward. The Mexican has finally confirmed that he's willing to take the fight to unify that WBA title with Leo having the super version, Lee Ward having the regular version. Despite his incredible performances, the one against Kanzu, the one against Michael Conlon, technically, to a lot of boxing fans, what is yet to become a proper world champion, and this will give him the opportunity to do so against a massive name. 
Yeah, it certainly would. Yeah, this this would probably make him a household name, really, wouldn't it, if he was to win this? And you know, there's a lot of boxers like that, isn't it, who've, who've done a really good job, never ducked anybody, done the job in front of him and got rid of people. And for some reason or another, people don't know who they are. So, so yeah, this is, this is a great opportunity. You know, you, you, you're not this one off and then you, you announce yourself on the big stage then, really, don't you? So uh, so this is a massive fight for him and, uh, and one that I'm confident he can, he can get, get a win from because, you know, he's a very, very tough kid. And, and that's what you need against uh, this, this this Mexican fighter who's very very special. So uh, so yeah, but this one could announce him on the on the world stage definitely. Now in other news, the WBA we've made comments about them in the past. We've been annoyed at their uh, their regular champions. We've been annoyed at some of their rankings. But it's that in particular that's got them in trouble. As it has been revealed that third parties have been receiving financial reward for ranking fighters. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily have got in the rankings otherwise, and it's a very bad look uh, for the promotional for the governing board. It is, yeah, it is. I mean, how much have we spoke about boxing, me and you, recently over the last few months, last few years, of, about sort of, corruption is probably a big word to use, but it's probably the right word to use. There's there's been all sorts of iffy scoring and things like that, and. You know, this this sort of adds fuel to the fire, really, doesn't it? It makes people doubt the sport, and I think sometimes people can fall out of love with the sport, can't they, over things like this? So it's not good. It's not good press for for boxing, is it? And um, you know, it's not the kind of stories you want to read. It's most certainly not. And the last one of the day for you, Paul Tyson Fury, claiming that he would be willing to come out of retirement to fight Anthony Joshua under the circumstances that it was free to air and every single ticket in the arena was free. As good as this sounds, I'm not sure how realistic that is. I uh, I saw his video of him announcing that and it was, before I heard him announce the terms, I thought, wow, this, this fight could actually happen and then you you see that and you think, well, I'm not so sure about that, but how good would it be if it, if it did? You know, if it was free to air on, on, on terrestrial television, whether that's BBC, Channel Four, ITV, whatever, Channel Five, I think it'd be outstanding that you know to have a to have a fight on that everybody's got the opportunity to see. You know, all the millions of people in in the UK. Uh, I'm not sure how it work for free tickets. Uh, you know, for the for the event, uh, whether it be like a first come first serve thing. I mean, I suppose the internet would be absolutely on fire, wouldn't it? People trying to get their phone lines and things like that. So. But it'd be a great fight to see. But, you know, for Anthony Joshua, he's got to get through what looks a very, very tricky fight against Alexander Usyk. I mean, I've seen pictures of Usyk recently and he, he looks absolutely huge, you know, from from what he's looked before. And you look at the the way he fought last time, the speed and the skill he's got. It looks a real a real mission for Anthony Joshua to get through that one. Um, but I think it'd be great to see Tyson Fury fight the winner of that fight, whether he fought Usyk or Joshua. I think that that would be an absolutely awesome fight you know real world event so um so yeah it'd be great to see these fights made there's no doubt about that so yeah i mean it's going to be extremely interesting to see how this all goes down and we're sure that the gypsy king will drop hints and tease us for a little bit longer before he ultimately makes his final decision but now moving on to the world of football and manchester united are back rob Eric Ten Hag has been working wonders, and yes, it's only pre-season, but we're getting to believe Manchester United with a 3-1 victory over Crystal Palace, a two-tool draw against Aston Villa, meaning that thus far in the pre-season of our tours of Australia and Thailand, unbeaten in four matches, three wins. It's a great start. It is a good start, James. And obviously, we, we obviously as fans look at these pre-season uh, fixtures as 
sort of players getting to know each other, getting to know the system. And that was the problem uh, with last season at Old Trafford. The players weren't really involved in the system. Ralph Ranrick, you know, had his philosophy, which the players kind of play, kind of sort of backed for about half an hour at one point. But this time around, uh, and Karg has that ability now to 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 get the players tuned in, and that's the exciting thing for me because obviously you you're looking looking at forward to what might happen this Manchester United team, uh, the likes of City and Liverpool have strengthened. We're coming from a long way back, aren't we? Let's be honest. But if uh, we can we can get the minerals right and get the uh, the players in who who he wants in that in that system, uh, then the only way we're going is up, James. Most certainly. It feels like the spirits in the dressing room are much better. Last season, there were certain names that were causing problems and without the results, spirits were dropping. Marcus Rashford in particular had a terrible time of things. I mean, at one point, do you remember there was that story with him allegedly sticking his middle finger up to a fan? He was getting that much grief. But he's been telling reporters that he's feeling revitalised off the back of pre-season, that he's back in the correct headspace. And if he is, he could do some damage next season. Yeah, it's very interesting to see what what might happen. Um, obviously, you know we, we're talking about this Man United team. Like you said, we, we've come uh, a long way. Uh, Ratchford has has had his difficulties last season, and you're kind of hoping that he can he can you know go again. You know, he's had a few good seasons at Manchester United uh, with a new coach involved. Now might play to his strengths, and then we'll uh, we'll be okay. We'll we'll certainly kick on uh, back into the England squad, uh, and then the world's his oyster. And you don't lose that quality he he has overnight. No, you most certainly don't, Rob. But with Manchester United having so many positives, there's a few negatives as well. Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, seems absolutely desperate to leave, despite the fact that, uh, that Ten Hag's trying to assure us all that he's staying. He's looking at a move to Atletico Madrid, which would, in effect, leave Real Madrid fans absolutely furious as he joins their rivals. Apparently, Atletico are more than happy to welcome him on board, but to do that, they're going to have to get rid of Griezmann first to free up the wage bill. But what do you make of this whole situation? Yeah, it's, it's a worrying one, James, really, because Cristiano Ronaldo is big business, isn't it? And, and obviously, Hentag, he's come in and he, and he knows that, obviously, Ronaldo is an important part of the club, isn't it? And obviously, if he does depart, then obviously that will, will leave a massive Cristiano Ronaldo sh- shape uh, in in this Man United squad. So I'd be hoping, I think he'd probably be hoping to keep hold of him. But Cristiano Ronaldo is top draw. He wants to think, he thinks he can play Champions League still. So he's looking for a club to play in the Champions League. But at one point, when does it turn to, I'll play for anybody as long as you're in the Champions League when, you know, you might be playing for somebody like Grasshoppers or someone like that who are in the Champions League but aren't going to be anywhere near competing uh, in it. But it's an interesting one. And Frankie de Jong, for example, is really pushing the boundaries of what you'll do to, to, to be at a certain club. I mean, Ronaldo, the opposite way around, desperately trying to leave Manchester United. Frankie de Jong desperately trying to stay at Barcelona. And it appears that they want him to take a 30% wage cut. And Javi says that he thinks it'll play Frankie in defence next season, which puts him way out of position for one. And secondly, way down the pecking order. At what stage does Frankie go, look, I'm better than this. I move to me. I need to move on. And secondly, when the Manchester United look at this and think he's that desperate to stay away from us, that what in the hell is the point in pursuing him? 
Well, that's the thing. You need to sign players who want to play for your shirt. And yeah, he seems to be dangling a carrot for Manchester United. Come and get me. No, we're Manchester United. You come to us, really. Uh, but it is, I suppose that's the situation we're in now, James, being Manchester United and, and a few barren seasons. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be going all out for him if he's not one willing to, to come and sort of play play for Manchester United off, you know, if, honestly, if, if Man United say, I want you, people should be walking over hot coals or running up the N62. They, they shouldn't be persuaded. They should just come. Yeah, it's it's a testament to the size of the club. But at the same time, we have dropped so far off the face of the earth that players like De Jong don't see it as a valuable place to, to play. I mean... How long ago would it? I mean, it's about a decade ago, isn't it, that Manchester United have been tumbling down the mountain? I mean, De Jong Watt would have been about 14 at the time when Manchester yeah. United are still doing big things. So all that time has passed, and he's he's grown up, I suppose, in an era where Manchester United aren't doing so well. Yeah, that's the thing because obviously, you know, you're looking back through history, the likes of let's say AC Milan. You know, they were massive, weren't they, in the kind of 80s, early 90s. And uh, sort of look at them now, mid-table Italian side. history, but nothing going on in current sort of situation. So it is going to be a difficult situation for Manchester United to, to climb out of. Um, but Europe is Europe. You know, players, they know they are a name. But if they're not in the Champions League, they're not on the biggest stage, are they? So I, I could see that being a problem uh, for many because obviously with sponsors and, and, and money, uh, they need to be seen at the top table. And if Manchester United aren't at the playing top table, then it's a problem. Man United will always be you know, at the commercial top top table, uh, but you don't win matches in a boardroom. You win them in a, on a football pitch. I mean, you most certainly do. And you mention a club like AC Milan there, a team that were so great and fell down the mountain. But last season, were able to fire themselves back up the league and ended up ultimately winning it. So you've got a team like that that's done it. So you've got, you've got to hope that Manchester United can do a similar thing. And maybe the business side has taken over a little bit. We talk regularly on this show about the signings that we bring in and that it seems that in recent times we've gone for the big names, your De Marais, your Sanchez's, and, and not the players that are going to help bring us on. And De Jong perhaps falls into that category. And we are, in essence, a commercial club. Ten Hag, by the way, is trying to bring us back to bases. I know he's, he's obviously going for De Jong, but in, he's bringing in a lot of players he knows from Ajax, a lot of players he knows can make an impact to the squad. And he's trying to make us less of that commercial side and a genuine footballing team. So he's not interested in the business deals and the brand deals they couldn't name. For example, hmm. and this is an interesting one, MUTV pitched that the lads should all go to the set of Neighbours, a uh, long-running Australian sit- uh, not sitcom, a soap opera that I think everybody will have heard of. The, the world, I mean, they gave us all likes of Jason, Devon and, uh, Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue. So definitely a big thing. But uh, Neighbours coming to an end and MUTV wanted all the players to go down, have a look, see the set exception, a big press event. And Eric Tenog says, no, we've got pre-season fixtures to attend to. First things, Rob, what do you make of this? Because for me, this is a massive positive because we need a team that values playing more than the spotlight. And secondly... What set would you like to visit? Well, I'd like to go and, and visit uh, Cora. I think, obviously, you know, TV's uh, 
national treasure. I'd like to go and see 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 what goes on there. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he's managing Manchester United, and we all know he needs to go back to uh, being uh, you know a footballing club, and and obviously a lot going on uh, behind the scenes. And I'm sure he'll be flexing his muscles, reminding everybody that you know Manchester United is Manchester United, the football club, not Manchester United uh, PLC. Yeah, most certainly. And interestingly, with all this Cristiano Ronaldo stuff coming on, in our next pre-season game, we've got Atletico Madrid. That's a big one. And then Real Vallecano. Mm, yeah, two good sides there, James. We'll certainly, uh, you know, get the juices flowing. Not long till the Premier League season starts now. We're all looking forward to it. What's, what's, what's the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to about the Premier League? Seeing how Ericsson has translated his success in pre-season, is he just a flash in the pan or is he somebody that can genuinely bring Manchester United back to the best? At the moment, I've got a lot of faith in him. I think his hard attitude and the fact that he is a right here, right now manager. He's not a Jose Mourinho. He's not a Louis van Gaal who was big a decade ago. He's having success right now. So I think that's what I'm most looking forward to. And I think in addition, it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool bounce back from all that disappointment. And if Manchester City, with Haaland in this team, can emerge victorious in Europe. I mean, they just played Bayern Munich in a pre-season friendly. Haaland by the goal. And he's already showing glimmers of, of the player he is. Yeah, and that's the important thing. It's it, it's about, you know, it's about Man City developing. And obviously with Haaland, he's a top, top player, isn't he? So, you know, it will make City stronger. Do, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think he most definitely will. They're missing just a couple of ingredients to get that Champions League win. And for me, Haaland, one of the best players in Europe, could end up being the best player on the planet at some point in his career. So for me, he's a humongous addition to the side. Mm. Barcelona, a team that have been doing a lot of shuffling about. They've just brought in uh, Rafinha, obviously, from Leeds. Bringing in Lewandowski as well, uh, a player that, despite his age, is appearing like a, a fine bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> Still scoring goals in abundance. Of course, in a whole heap of financial problems. But do you think that with everything going on at the club and with the fact that Xavi had so much success last season, that they can push Real Madrid? Or do you still think they're a couple of years away? It's going to be it's going to be tough. I think, you know, have they got the time? A couple of years, yeah, we think, yeah, we can ride out. But money in football suggests otherwise if you were the bankroll in this club and they were going to take a couple of years to reach the summit um, how many more millions are you going to have to throw at it James and that's the big the big question really yeah it is I mean with with the position they're in right now I mean one of the reasons De Young wants to stay is because he's owed so much money isn't it hmm. and, and go on go on sorry no, that's the thing. It's, it, when does it turn from I love playing football and that's all I've wanted to do to yeah but you owe me five million quid so I'm going to sit down and waste three years of my career because I want the money and you're not willing to give it me I mean when does that switch as a, as a player really it's difficult I think even though Barcelona are doing what they're doing for him it might be the best thing for his career to go to Manchester United yes it's a risk because of how badly they've performed but you know the manager at Ten Hag you know what he's capable of you were in his side when he made it to the 2018-19 Champions League semi-finals, beating the likes of, of Juventus and teams like that along the way. So I think that would be the best move for it. But either way, they're looking good so far, Barcelona, in pre-season. Rafinha bagging a, a goal and two assists on his Barcelona, I suppose, debut to an extent with it being a pre-season game. Uh, Depay even getting on the score sheet with a magnificent goal, which left Phil Neville, the Inter-Miami manager, 
in a bit of disarray. And an interesting comparison, actually, it's now Barcelona 13, the Neville brothers zero, because several years earlier, when Gary Neville was at the helm at Valencia, he got battered as well. Yeah, not not a good time for the Nevilles, uh, that. And yeah, I suppose football management isn't their thing. Uh, more punditry, probably. I'd stick to punditry, really, at the moment. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be particularly working for Phil. It was always going to be a, a difficult job. Uh, now, I'm going to talk a bit about promotional content now, Rob. I, I love a good advert. I love a good transfer announcement. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Matthias Delict, who's just moved to Bayern Munich. Mm. And the club released a little video uh, in an accidental tribute to the police, a message in a bottle. Just <laughs> slowly down... Uh, that was a nice film, weren't it, Rob? Yeah, it was. Just good. slowly down uh, the river, past the docks, past the bridges, lands at the feet of Delict. He opens it up, pulls it out. There's a Bayern shirt in there with his name and number on the back, and he's officially one of their players. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, that, that you know, the, the you know, imagination that these, uh, you know, producers come up with, and, you know, it's, it's, it sells shirts, it sells uh, the player to the to an audience, and, I, and I, I'm game for anything like that. I think uh, there's one, obviously, talk about rugby league now, but we're talking about rugby league before, before but Huddersfield have signed, uh, as, as a um, uh, an Australian, and and there's a film where the the, uh, the United States president's going through uh, the list of, of advisors and supporters, and then he comes to the end where there's a Salford supporter, and, and he goes and he goes past him. <laughs> so it's things like it makes it really laugh, you know, really funny and really memorable, and, it, and that kind of thing sort of really sort of pricks people up. So yeah, I'm game for anything like that. What about you? Yeah, it's, it definitely can get people going, can't it? I mean, just recently, I think Burnley start, uh, signed a player. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they had a video compilation of The Rock announcing this player to, to the ring, so to speak, and it, mm. it caught my attention. Another one recently, Mo Salah, utilised for an Adidas <laughs> boot commercial, uh, appearing in a Rick and Morty-style uh, advert. That, for those who don't know, a popular cartoon. It was never my cartoon of choice, I, I, I think I preferred Family Guy in its younger years when uh, mm. McFarlane was still at the helm. And uh, I watched a bit of South Park as well. Never really got into Rick and Morty, but regardless, it was a great advert. Mo Salah playing football with those two cartoon stars. And yeah, it really caught my attention, Rob. And I love asking you these ridiculous questions on the sports zone. So if you had to play football with two cartoon stars, oh, who would they be? Uh, cartoon stars, Bugs Bunny and uh, Yosemite Sam. I think Yosemite sent me sound up front with his uh, with his two pistols, lots of goals there, shooting and scoring, and uh, Bugs at the back keeping it all uh, safe, um, you know, and keeping the defense straight. You got you got a solid defense. You've got goals in your. We're going we're going up, uh, James. And talking about going up, let's talk about Salford City. They start their season uh, this uh, this weekend. Uh, we spoke to Matt Lund, Elliot Watt and Ash Easton uh, about the uh, the build-up to the to the season. And so we'll start with James talking to Salford City FC's Matthew Lund. So how's pre-season gone so far? Yeah, it's gone well, yeah. Um, we've, we've done a lot. Um, been working hard and it's um, it's been your typical uh, pre-season where you, you get your running at the start and you, you get the fitness, the basis of your fitness and then you get your uh, sharpness in the games and, um, and the lads are beginning to show that things are starting to come together now towards the start of the season and hopefully we can um, bring, bring it all together and basically start the season well um, start the season uh, better than we did last year 
With new coach Neil Wood coming in, how does training compare to last season? Yeah, it's been it's been different in the fact that we've been doing a lot of. I think we had the balls up pretty much straight away. Some some managers don't do that, and um, with the manager, he's he's, he's brought that emphasis of, of, of getting the ball down and trying to play a certain way um, and implement his his style of play. Um, and I think the lads of uh, buying into that and um, yeah, looking forward to to showcasing what what what, we, what we've uh, done so far yeah, into the season. What are your personal and team aims for the season? I don't think we've discussed it as a team yet as such, but I think everyone knows um, in this league what they want to do and, and try and get themselves up and around them playoffs and into automatic and that would be that, that that's the aim. I think everyone wants to do that in this league and um, there won't be many teams saying, oh, let's not, not aim for the playoffs or aim for the automatic. Um, but um, as, as, as for my own goals, I, I always set certain standards for myself and and try and do as best as I can, work hard for the team and um, hopefully bring some goals to the team. That's um, the main part of my game. So hopefully I can I can do that this year. Um, and I thought I did that last year. I think I finished top second goal scorer. So hopefully um, bring out um, bring some goals against the team. Are you hoping for the people of Salford to come and make the Peninsula Stadium a fortress this season? Yes, it, home form's got to, be, got to be better this year. I think um, we've got to make sure that the fans are behind us which they always they always were um, especially coming back last year so just hope for us to to have fans back in the stadium and yeah this year we need to really really have teams coming to us and uh, worried about coming here and um, knowing what they're what they're about to expect and I think that the teams that went up last year you'll see that their home records are very good and that that needs to be the catalyst to to, to where we need to be. So John is on the show we've got Ash Easton from uh, Salford City FC. Right, Ash, welcome to the show. Um, how's pre-season gone for you so far? Yeah, no, obviously from a personal point of view, it's been a frustrating one. Uh, I had a little bit of a setback with the with the injury, you know. Um, probably connected a bit to last season. Um, it's last season's injury, but no, from, you know, I'm just doing my best to stay positive now and got got a kind of rehab program in place to to really push on from this week and kick on but from a from a team perspective I think it's been good you know the lads have shown some really good performances and and, and really been at it in training and taking on the new messages from the from the coaching staff so a new coach Neil Wood coming in uh, how's the training gone so far yeah I think the manager and the coaching staff have settled in really quick um, I think they've been very good at getting their messages across of how how he believes we should be playing how how he believes we will get success as a group and I think the lads have bought into it um, you know on the whole if you look at it we've, we've got a got a relatively young and hungry group with with some experience in there as well um, but now the lads are really buying into it and um, you know I believe it's been a positive start so far and with only only a week to go until or just over a week to go until the start of the season I think um, there's some good signs. So what are your personal and team ambitions for this season? Obviously, so CFC are a team on the up. Uh, so uh, what are your ambitions? I think the main aim is is collectively that as a group, we certainly want to be at the top of the table. You know, let's 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 not beat around the bush. I do think sometimes you know you can kind of hide away from from kind of sh- taking on that responsibility. But as a group, I think we have a group that's good enough. But I also think we have a group that believes. You know, we, we've 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 seen what this league brings now for the last couple of seasons, and we know what will bring success. So I think we'll, we will certainly buy into that as a group. Certainly set that set that end target of, of trying our ultimate best to get out of this league and take this club to the next division um, you know we don't want to hide hide around that that message so 
Um, and from a personal point of view, obviously get back from the injury and, and hopefully um, get back into the team and, and, and really help the lads kick on and, and be a part of success because I certainly don't enjoy being on the sidelines watching. Uh, but um, no, yeah, we'll kick on now and, and, and really do my best to get back fit. And obviously, you know, the people of Salford, uh, you, you, you want them to come and, and, and support um, Salford City FC. I mean, how big of an influence will they be? And uh, are you looking forward to them making it a fortress uh, this season for your home of the Peninsula Stadium? Yeah, definitely. You know, after being here a couple of seasons now, I can certainly say that the times when this ground's been full and rocking are the times that really help performances for the lads. So we need to get as many fans in the door as possible because um, they bring a real atmosphere for us and there's no doubt about it as a player that it kicks you on that extra 10-15% when you're playing when you've got that noise around the ground, that atmosphere and, and, and really spurring you on to, to go and get the three points week in, week out. So we're joined by Salford City FC's Elliot Watt. Uh, welcome to the show, Elliot. Um, how's pre-season gone for you so far? Uh, no, it's gone really well. Um, tough as you can imagine. Um but it's been a good tough. It's been it's been different than what uh, most footballers are used to. Usually, you get running to the ground, whereas we've been running to the ground, but whilst playing playing football. So, the gaffer's big on on um, being with the ball and spending time with the ball. So it's it's been enjoyable as opposed to just getting beasted every every other day. So um, yeah, it's been really good. Um, got to know the lads really well. We we spent a week in York, so that was good to um, get to know the lads more and, and build them connections. So yeah, it's been enjoyable. I came through at Bulls in the 23 system, so I kind of knew what to expect with the gaffer um, being coming from the 23 system too. So that was a big reason as to why I wanted to come here, because I knew I'd get coached. Um, and the type of coaching it would be, obviously, I've never worked with him before or anything like that, but I knew Walsey and I had a good chat with Walsey and, and, and the way that they want to play. And, and on the day-to-day basis, on the training pitch, it was massive for me to come here and, and improve as a player. And like, like we've talked on about already, the exciting football that they want to play. Um, play with the ball and have the possession-based football and, and be a threat, play exciting football, it was it was massive for me. So, um, yeah, like I said, I've been really enjoying it so far, so, so uh, long may it continue. So what are your personal and team ambitions for this season? Obviously, so for CFC, you're a team on the up. Uh, so uh, what are your ambitions? Um, well, personally, I've, I've played pretty much every game for the last two years. I think I've only missed four or something like that. So that's my aim, just, just try to play as many games as possible. Um, keep improving like I, like I just touched on then the big reason as to why I came here was because of the coaching staff and the manager and I want to I want to keep improving day by day so um, yeah the, the personal the personal target is just keep improving and, and uh, keep keep making the steps as to where I want to get to in my career um, and then we, we haven't actually talked about um, team aspirations this season but I think it goes about saying with the ambition of the club um, I think uh, without actually saying that I think people know what, what end of the table we want to be at um, and, and I'm sure we'll, if we keep working how we have been so far in pre-season, then, then we'll get there. And obviously, you know, the people of Salford, uh, you, you, you want them to come and, and, and support um, Salford City FC. I mean, how big of an influence will they be? And uh, are you looking forward to them making it a fortress uh, this season for your home of the Peninsula Stadium? It's, it's massive at every football club. Um, but like I just touched on there, with the aspirations of the club and, and how ambitious the club is, um, when you've got fans who, who can fill the stadium and allowed it, it doesn't half help. Um, don't get me wrong. Like we we know as players, we need to do our jobs. But when you have when you have fans behind you, backing you and singing throughout the game, then it it it, it shouldn't. But it does give you that extra push. Um, so yeah, oh, hopefully we can make it um, a, a winning a winning culture here at the Peninsula, and hopefully the fans can get behind us. And like I just touched on, they see that exciting brand of football, and they can come down and enjoy their afternoons and evenings.
Describe yourself as a player. Uh, well, I think I'm a terrible player. I don't know why the club signed up, but um, I, I tried to I tried to get on the ball as much as possible and make things happen, make the team tick. Um, and that was things that we talked about when I was coming to the club that get on the ball and make things happen and and be be the kind of um, person to make the team tick and get us playing and in a way get the ball to the better players higher up the pitch who are then going to go score us the goals and, and make things actually happen and yeah get us higher up the table so um, so far I'm enjoying it like I've already already touched on the coaching and the way that the team when I play was massive for me coming here so um, long may it continue. So, James, obviously them, the boys are ready for a tough season ahead. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, they most certainly are. And they're kicking it off with a tough game against Manfield. Not a pushover whatsoever. They actually finished above Salford last season, coming in seventh as our side Salford were in tenth. Throughout the last campaign, uh, our guys got a little bit better throughout. We, we had a tough-ish start. And as we flourished, we really came into it. And at points, it was looking like we were going to really make the playoffs. Ultimately, that didn't happen. But I'm expecting us to win this game against Mansfield, although a draw wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, obviously, we we, we spoke to Elliot Watt about the pre-season. And, and he's excited. He says it's been worked hard. But it's more about football as well. It's not about running around the field 30 times. Salford have got him playing football as well, which is exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. And I'm really looking forward to this season. And a game that always makes for a big, big splash because it sets the season up and running, gives one side a bit of momentum. We've got the Community Shield, Liverpool and Manchester City. With everything that's gone on and Liverpool closing in on doing a quadruple and falling at the final hurdle in the Premier League, falling at the final hurdle in the Champions League, I'm giving City the edge in this one. It's going to be tough, obviously, Man City. You know, are, are a good side. It's going to be the first real battle between Klopp and Guardiola of the season. Uh, and, and, you know, we're all excited for it. And, and that is what it's all about with with with, uh, with, uh, with football. It's all about living that dream and, and supporting your side and, you know, watching them on this journey to, 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 to glory. And, and, you know, people of, of Salford City FC, the supporters, you know, we've, we've listened to, to three, three, the, these three guys uh, wanting to wanting to take us to that next level. And like you said, with the with the Charity Shield, with, with City and Liverpool, you know, them players, uh, you know, that they, they've competed at the very top and they want to get there as well. So what a great thing uh, football is at the moment. Yeah, I think we're all dead excited for next season, aren't we, Rob? There's some some big games coming up, some big fixtures. And I think a lot of leagues, if you look at Serie A, for example, there's that mystery of can AC Milan continue this momentum? Can Manchester United come back in the Premier League? How will Barcelona fare against Real Madrid? And if Ronaldo signs for Atletico, can he make an impact? There's a lot of interesting storylines here. Mm. And that's what football is. It's, it's storylines, it's drama, it's excitement, and and that's what that's what you know us fans you know get excited about. It's, it's the plot lines, really, isn't it, James? I think with modern football, sometimes you don't get that. But you know the likes of, of Salford City FC, they they've come through the ranks and they've gone through the leagues. You know, winning championships and, and making memories. And, and there's people of Salford who are listed. Radio station, they'll be thinking, you know what? I'll jump on the, the Salford bandwagons now. They have an opportunity to go up to the next division, uh, and we're all super excited about that. Yeah, we most certainly are. Big opportunity for Salford. And if you were to be a betting man right now, Rob, would you say they pull this off? I do. I, I think they've got enough quality in this team to 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 
you know, compete at the very less, very top level. What they've got to do, they've got to make sure that they're consistent. That's the important thing about being a top club. You've got to win your own games. You've got to win away. And, and they've got the minerals to do it, um, James. And, and I'm just hoping that, that we, they can carry on this run. Uh, they'll start off well. Uh, and and who knows at Christmas time you can look again at the situation you're in at the at this points and the in the league and and then we'll 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 take it from there. But I'm I'm excited about it. What about you? Well, certainly it's an interesting season ahead. It's going to be a tough one for the boys because this season there's a bit more expectation on them, isn't there? Because hmm. last season they were almost underdogs in this league. Granted, they've got the backing of your Paul Scholes, your David Beckham's, and and the entire group, but. I don't think people expected them to make that much of an impact just coming up from the league before the previous season. This year, teams know what they're getting, and that might make things a little bit harder for them. Yeah, and that, and obviously with a minute to go, James. You know, we, we've got we talk about you know underdogs and fairy tales a lot with with Salford Devils, but Salford City FC are, are in a simple position. You know, they've got Man United, they've got Man City. The people of Salford need to back their own team. They do. It's about time we got behind them. I mean, there's so much support, isn't there, for, for Manchester United, a Salford-based team. A lot of support for Salford Red Devils, the uh, the rugby team, of course. And it's now time for us to give that same backing for Salford FC, because this is a project funded and, and sorted by some of Manchester and Salford's finest in those lads that we, we specified before. So it's a, big, it's a big deal for the city. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. We're going to be sort of talking about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Big thanks for tuning in to the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Don't forget your fans on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Tuesday, 7pm. Thursday, 9pm. And we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. Mm-hmm.